From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The new government has inherited a problem that no one wants to talk about, the deep inequality of funding between public and private and independent schools. That discrepancy is most evident when it comes to the way that students with disabilities are funded. Today, senior reporter at the Saturday paper, Rick Morton, reveals the $600 million funding shortfall for students with a disability in the public system. It's Tuesday, August 9. So, Rick, something that might have flown under the radar recently while the new government has been prosecuting its legislation is the issue of school funding. So, after a decade of of the coalition being in power, what kind of position is it in? Yeah, I think a lot of people think that school funding is just kind of being fixed and solved and everyone just got on with things, but it's a bit of a mess, in a word. Uh, and the way it works is that state schools are majority funded by state and territory governments, whereas independent Catholic slash private schools mm-hmm. are 80% funded by the Commonwealth, federal government, and 20% funded by the states and territories. Now, obviously, the fact that the federal government is involved in funding both sectors is kind of contentious um, for some people. But what is astonishing about this arrangement is that the federal government actually fulfills its funding promises to the independent schools and doesn't fulfill its promises to the state schools. Right. In fact, it's underfunding them still at the moment um, by two to three percentage points, and that's just the federal government. Okay, so could you just break that down for me, Rick? Both private and public schools get federal funding, although obviously private schools also run on fees and public schools are also funded by the states. But you're saying that the federal government is actually underfunding public schools. Yeah, so it's promised to fund 80% of private schools and it will get to that level over the next nine years, right? Now, as it currently stands in state schools, neither the state and territory governments nor the federal government are meeting their funding commitments for that sector. In fact, there is no plan even out to 2029, for either of those two levels of government to fully fund state schools. Mm -hmm. That means that there is currently no plan for either level of government to fully fund state schools, but there is a plan for the Commonwealth and the states to fully fund private schools up to 2029. So the way that breaks down essentially is that last year, we've got some data in 2021, in Every public school in every state and territory except the ACT, they were funded to about 80 to 93% of what is actually required. So not a single public school in any of those jurisdictions have full funding. Meanwhile, both the Commonwealth and the states, as I mentioned, have fully funded many Catholic and independent schools, and the plan is to get to 100% or more over the rest of this decade. Now, that is kind of setting the scene for some hinky business when it comes to the way kids get access to support in schools. Okay, so how did this happen, Rick? How did we get to a situation where government schools are not being paid what they're owed by the government when independent or private sector schools, which arguably aren't the responsibility of the government, are getting paid that money? It depends how far back you want to go. But let's go back to Julie Gillard and the Gonski schools reforms. Julia Gillard has unveiled Labor's long-awaited school funding overhaul. 
The Prime Minister has backed the recommendations of the Gonski report into school education. Now, that was a huge program of reform around 2011, looking at how we can equitably fund kids in schools. And today I've laid out a further program for a change, a national program for school improvement, lifting teacher quality, empowering principals to get on with the job, more information for parents and communities, as well as laying out a new funding system which puts individual children at the heart of the system and responds to their needs. But, of course, politically, the Gillard government and no government since has been willing to say to private independent schools, you will actually need to lose some money in order for this fair redistribution to happen. So, in fact, there is no plan for that to happen. And who will be putting that money forward? Well, that money would be put forward collaboratively by federal and state governments and obviously in the private and Catholic systems, parents also put in their fees. And who puts in in what? And what has happened since is that the private school system lobbied the coalition government when they came to power for more protections. Uh, As far as I am concerned, as far as Christopher Pine is concerned, as far as the coalition is concerned, we want to end the uncertainty Uh, by guaranteeing that no school will be worse off over the forward estimates period. And there's been a kind of like other bolt-ons in this kind of Frankenstein policy arrangements where the coalition has done everything it can to protect the independent Catholic school sector while also shredding its share of funding. So they put a cap in 2017 on the Commonwealth funding for public schools, taking it from 25% down to 20%. And at the same time, There was also no plan for any state government to fund more than 75%. So 75 and 20 is 95%. Mm. And that is what's baked into the agreements, whereas the Catholic and independent schools, there is a plan to ramp up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's successive governments then not wanting to to cut funding or to say no to to any of these independent private sector schools. It's the hardest word to say. Mm. Okay, so if we look at the funding then for each individual student, I mean, how does that play out? So here's the really weird and cruel quirk that's baked into this. There's a thing called the schooling resource standard, and that essentially says that every student in primary school last year deserves about $12,000 as, you know, benchmark baseline funding. And in secondary school, it's about $15,000. That's the SRS. Now, because of the way that is set and because... Uh, you can get loadings on top of that, right? So it's like layers of disadvantage will attract more money. So mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on disability loadings today because this is a really um, quite striking example. The way the loadings are set up is that they're paid as a proportion of the SRS that is eventually paid to students. Now, because the SRS in state schools is below 100%, disabled kids in those systems are actually getting less money in disability loadings than they would otherwise be qualified for if those schools were funded properly. And I've got some data on that, and it's $600 million last year alone that disabled students in the public system were underfunded because of this original sin, if you like, of not fulfilling you know, government obligations in the funding of students full stop. We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating. 
visionary, reformer, and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rick, you just said that students with a disability in the public system have been underfunded to the tune of about $600 million in the past year. People have tried to fix the school funding system for well over a decade now. So how is it that we're still in this kind of situation? So basically what happened, Gonski was, uh, when, when the report came out, they said there needs to be extra funding for disabled students. Nobody disagrees with that. But they didn't know how many disabled kids there were. And so eventually they did this, what they called this nationally consistent collection of data through all the schools to find out exactly what the, the number was. And it was about 100,000 more students than they anticipated. And Christopher Pine was the education minister at the time and onwards. And they kind of kept delaying putting in this system to give extra money for those kids and also to find out, you know, what that money should be. Mm-hmm. Now, as a way around that, according to the Australian Education Union, they think that what happened with this system was that they suddenly created a new you know, four categories of support. There's supplementary, which is like a little, about half as much as the SRS gets added on top of it for, you know, someone who needs a bit of extra help in the classroom. There is substantial, which kind of does what it says on the tin. And then there's extensive for kids who clearly need like pretty much constant support in the classroom, if not, you know, in a special school. There's also a, an unfunded category that has no money and that's called quality differentiated teaching practice. Now that in layman's terms means you're on your own teachers. Mm-hmm. These kids have a disability. They need a bit of extra support, but we're not going to fund you any money for it. And that's an artefact of the coalition. Now, the way these categories work is that the schools actually have to prove that these kids need the support. So they, in order to verify someone to be in any of these categories, even the ones that don't attract any extra funding, they have to show that they've changed teaching practices for 10 weeks. They have to fill in paperwork every day about these students to try and get them credited, basically, as a disabled kid in order to get the money in return. Mm, Okay. I mean, that sounds like a lot of work, Rick. Is it just the case then that private schools or independent schools have the ability to take that on, to to do that in a way that public schools can't? Yeah. I I mean, I certainly would argue that they're better equipped to do that. In fact, um, they often, and I reported on some of this, uh, advertising for dedicated roles um, to support teachers to fill in that paperwork, to do the admin, to get their head across the individual learning plans that are required um, for the disabled kids in these classrooms to do that for 10 weeks to get the loading in return, whereas the state school system is just, they just do not have the same level of resources to do that. You know, I was talking to one teacher at a private school in Brisbane, they were saying that, you know, yeah, it's like any bureaucracy, the people who actually can afford to compete with the bureaucracy are the ones that get to the other side of it. And, you know, they've witnessed that in their own school. And, of course, the point here is not that they shouldn't do that because I don't think there's – I've got no proof that there's any kid in an independent or Catholic school that's getting more than they deserve. They're just getting the support 
that would be provided to kids in the public system if they were resourced to do it and if there wasn't an underfunding baked into the very DNA of the agreements and not just baked in but no plan to get rid of it mm. as it currently stands. So I went to I went to Jason Clare's office, the education minister, for a response, and they didn't come back to me at all, which I thought was kind of surprising. Uh, the independents said that, of course, you know, they do what every other school does, as with the Catholics, um, and that they don't do anything more or less than any other school to try and get support that kids with disabilities need. And so, Rick, what does this actually mean then for these kids with disabilities who might be within the public school sector and the school that they're at isn't able to get this funding? Yeah, I mean, this is where it really becomes damaging in long term because teaching staff are already overworked in all the sectors, but particularly in the state system. Teaching support staff are even more overworked. In fact, my mum was a teacher's aide. She just retired at the start of this year. And like the demand between different classrooms and multiple kids within those different classrooms for a single aide is off the charts. Now, the extra support that is provided to schools in the funding goes on, you know, staff bodies on the ground who can actually do the reading recovery or do the intensive kind of explicit instruction. There's also equipment for the kids so that they can learn in a mainstream setting with their peers and not be segregated. Mm. Now, what the AEU has found in discussions with its principals committee is that school principals typically in the state system have been transferring $100,000 on average from elsewhere in the school's budget just to try and plug some of the gap with their disabled kids, but it's not enough in an already overstretched school. In fact, what that ends up happening, doing there is essentially meaning maybe larger class sizes, cutting corners somewhere else in the school just to try and give their students with disabilities a bit of a fair go. And that's that's what this means. This isn't a theoretical argument about schools funding or it's not about a spreadsheet. It's about kids in classrooms and where they're actually learning. Mm. And the key issue of inequality being baked into these agreements. Is that something that is on the new Labor government's radar? Because it sounds like a lot of these problems, they were partially caused by Gonski, but at least Gonski was a, a top-line attempt by the previous Labor government to fix school funding. We haven't really heard much about it this time around, though. Yeah, no, I mean, Gonski had all the greatest aims in the world, but it's kind of like if you embark on a house renovation with deciding to add a top floor, but then halfway through you get a new owner who's like, no, stuff that we're going to do a basement and so you get this kind of like hodgepodge right um, of weird protections so Jason Clare's the new education minister in the new federal labor government he knows that these agreements are out there in fact they have to be renegotiated by the end of next year because from 2024 um, you basically extend them out into the future now this is an opportunity to fix some of this Either way, there will be new agreements in 2024. The only question now is whether they're actually going to fix a problem that is hurting kids who need the most support in our state system. Rick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today... 
Former New South Wales politician John Barillaro has told a parliamentary inquiry that he regrets applying for the role as a trade commissioner in New York and denied he'd sought any special treatment, describing the situation as a shitshow. The former Deputy Premier withdrew from the role several weeks ago after it emerged another candidate had been previously selected for the role before Barillaro's appointment. And a ceasefire between Israel and the militant group Islamic Jihad has taken effect in the Gaza Strip after three days of fighting. Palestinian officials in Gaza said a total of 44 Palestinians were killed, almost half, officials said, were civilians and included 15 children. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.